Hey, Mutiny Radio listener. It's two o'clock on a Wednesday. You know what that means. Oh, it's time. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. We're going to talk about religion and what people believe in today on Some Call Me Tim. Today on Some Call Me Tim, I have comedian Bree. Hello, Bree. Hi. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Hi. There you are. Let me turn this down. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, stepping away from work to chat with you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so um, I put out a call into the universe, uh, more, more likely the Portland and Northwest comedy scene, and asked people who had strong opinions or belief systems of any kind to give me a call, because that's what we talk about on Some Call Me Tim, is um, what you believe in. So I usually have people look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. It's a huge mm-hmm. painting I have here at the station, and it's of um, a very white, long-haired, surfer-looking Jesus, and he has sparkles all around him. Um, and I, I say, do you believe in Jesus? You know, um, I believe that there was possibly a historical Jesus, but I do not believe in uh, God as people have defined it or ah. him or whoever. So the traditional God on the clouds, big white guy with white long flowing robes, not real. Yeah. Not to me, no. Um, I just, I personally don't think that there is any sort of um, proof that there is a God. And um, I'm not arrogant enough to say that I know for sure. Um, And I also am not out of touch enough to say that there isn't some sort of something out there that can drive us in the universe. But um, I just don't think that the way people have defined a God or a heaven for that matter is real. So do you have a term for yourself? Would you call yourself agnostic that, or is there anything that you, is there like a a term that exists that you would say, I'm this, you're not atheist because you're like, they're, could be or what is there a box that you put yourself into i've I've struggled with this one a little bit because i think that i um do lean towards being an atheist um i think that when we die we probably just die and there probably isn't anything um but we can't prove it because we can't prove the absence of something without being able to prove the existence of something. So I, I kind of take a um, a less radical lane than I think a lot of atheists may take, but I'm, I'm comfortable saying that I am a soft core atheist. (laughs) Do you consider yourself a scientist? Um, yes, I, I definitely lean on science. I actually have um, a master's degree where I had to do a, a ton of research on my own and have subjects. It was it was a little more uh, qualitative than quantitative, which is a lot of um, harder sciences will will use that. 
Well, you uh, played God. You did a research <laughs> study. You were the you were the yes. God. You were setting everything in motion. Yes, I guess you could say that. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, there there is a lot that goes into science that tells us um, the truth about something as it stands for right now, and it also opens itself up to. Um, be disproven, which is another thing that's great about science that I don't think we see in religion. Uh, you know, it makes me think of the movie Flatliners because they're like, we're science. We're going to find out what's in the afterlife. We're going to figure it out. Mm. And trying mm-hmm. to like record what the afterlife is. It is there one and all that kind of stuff. But do mm. you believe in an? You don't believe in an. Well, we can't prove it. So what do you think mm-hmm. the afterlife what do you think happens when we die? That's the question. Honestly, I I think the probability is that nothing happens. I think that the neurons and the synapses in our brains just turn off. Um, it's an electrical field that's happening in our brains right now. That's what's keeping us in consciousness. But um, but who knows? But then Maybe what's I'm the wrong. point? What's the? I mean, <laughs> if, if if it all goes back to nothing. Then, mm-hmm. then what's the point of all of what we're doing? Like, should we all just be like, anarchy, it doesn't fucking matter? Or <laughs> like what? Because if there's, I mean, do you do you feel that our, I mean, I've felt, and I'm see if you agree with me, that a lot of society is handled and controlled with the idea of religion in that mm. there is an afterlife. And if you're not good, you're not going to get there kind mm-hmm. of like scaring you like don't be bad or forever you're going to burn in hell mm-hmm. right so there's this huge external context of don't you fuck up mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be a bad person and then it's like you know what is good and what is bad and how do we but then what's the point like if we mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah um there there isn't a point really and it's it's a very uncomfortable place for um, those of us who believe this to be true, to be in. I tell people that I, probably about once a day I have an existential crisis about what's going on in my life and um, what's the point if there isn't an afterlife. I mean, the only point is is to live your life for the now. Um, and I think that there's a lot of philosophy that points to that as well. It's there technically is no future there technically is no past wow it's all about the moment that you're living in this is a that's a sort Um, of a buddhist idea right that it's all about the moment of transit and we're constantly mm -hmm. in transit yeah yeah it is but you you do see it in a lot of philosophy about um the existence of time and (sighs) what time means and those types of things as well so um what do you, what keeps you alive? Like, why are you not just being like, or what keeps you, do you, do you feel that you make positive choices and what makes you feel like yeah. you're continuing on that? Is, I mean, obviously there's no external morality saying like, what keeps you a moral person? Um, I think again, it goes back to the philosophical idea of like the golden rule, you know, you, will treat people the way that you expect to be treated. And um, like I kind of alluded to earlier about how I, I don't believe that there is no outside 
forces in the universe that are not acting. I mean, I think that there are some, and I, I think there's something to be said about karma um, oh. in whatever sort of whatever sort of form that ends up being. Um, I think that if you treat people like shit, they will treat you like shit. Right. Um, and just, I, I think there is something to be said about getting what you deserve, too, you know. Um, being an immoral person, maybe some immoral things should happen to you. I'm not sure. It's it's. It's hard because I, I, for some reason I started thinking about India because you said karma. And then mm-hmm. I started thinking about all the Indian people that were born into a caste system that where their life was sort of fucked from the get-go. And yet mm-hmm. they had to stay alive. And so, oh, and you don't want to steal from, I was just, I'm thinking about karma. So you believe, you believe in karma? To an extent. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's, always what goes around comes around or else we would see mass murderers being (laughs) murdered and and those types of things but i just think and maybe it's just an internal karma as well um i i can't i can't necessarily remember the exact philosopher that spoke about it but there are certain consequences to our actions whether we do it to ourselves or not um for example one is if you steal five dollars from your mom's purse and then you turn the corner and you stub your toe really really bad and and you hurt yourself was that subconscious did you do that to yourself because there had to be a consequence to your action um i think that that's something that's interesting to think about wow right well then that kind of comes into when you believe in karma in that way it's like is there fate is there or not in that you did it to yourself subconsciously mm-hmm. there that's one way of thinking about it but the opposite mm-hmm. way would be like fate yeah. is constantly above us and there's you know there i mean and it's a weird thing to think about that if if every choice that we make has a consequence and all of us are making all of these choices mm-hmm. is fate the thing that like sort of connects us like everything's accident. I mean, that's fate is, it's like that everything's accidental, but it still has a purpose sort of mm-hmm. thing. I, it's, it's cause so I used to believe I used to be so Christian and it was like, God has a predestined plan and knows everything that's going to happen in your life. And I was always right. like, so he knows that I'm questioning this right now. Like he know, it just, right. it was so hard for me to wrap my brain around the concept that everything is completely predestined because so many things are happenstantial, but then, you know, like when you think of somebody and then they call you, like, is that, Mm -hmm. like, is that a real Mm -hmm. thing or, or, you know, like what, was there a strange energy that was somehow transmitted that's real or is that just like, that was just happenstantial, like things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, the power of attraction is what they call that. And um, our minds are the most powerful thing that we have and that we put upon people externally as well. Um, I think that the more you think about something, the more the universe does tend to 
to point you in that direction, whether it's positive, negative, or neither, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah, I have had that happen a lot of times, and it's kind of just like, oh, that's so weird. That's too weird. Too weird. I haven't yeah. spoken to this person in, in years, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about them. Or you have a dream, and then the next day something very similar to that dream happens. Right. So there's a lot of things that are happening that we can't understand, um, but I personally just don't want to um, explain those things through religion because I just don't think that you can. Right. Well, and some of it, it can even be explained through psychology in some way. Like like when I, you know, if I have an internal monologue that I'm a piece of dog shit and that nobody likes me, mm-hmm. that's sort of what's going to happen because mm-hmm. it's where I'm focusing my energy and my thoughts. Whereas, did you see that secret movie? Do you... you I mean, that I've heard about this attraction law too, and I watched that secret movie finally. And I was kind of amazed, and I, I actually tried it. This was a, a mm-hmm. weird little thing. So yeah. it says in the movie that if you think about a thing or whatever, it just it happens. And they even alluded to weight loss or something like that. But I said to myself, I want to do this. I want to... I, I'm already, I am five pounds lighter. I am not changing anything about my life, but I am five pounds lighter. I can feel it. I know it's happening. And I literally, I lost like five pounds in a week because I was sort Mm -hmm. of like tightening my core when I was on the bus and I was walking more and I was thinking about like, it was weird, but I really did. It really worked. Like I didn't really change anything else about my life except that I was like, focusing my energy into being a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and a little bit tighter. And it like happened, which was, I mean, it's such a, yeah. a vapid thing for me to, to try the secret no. on, but I, I did. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's totally valid though. And I think that this is another thing that happens with um, the placebo effect, right? Uh-huh. So we, we think that this pill or whatever it is, is going to, um, alleviate our shoulder pain or whatever, because your brain believes in it so wholeheartedly, your shoulder pain goes away. Right. And it's, it's just amazing what we can do with our, our brain power. Because our brain somehow tells that part of our body to relax or do something else or. Yeah. yeah. Somehow our brains just. They can do things. And and people have said that, I mean, I've heard first person narratives about people who had cancer that used a ton of positive Mm -hmm. thought and happy things and puppies and kittens and unicorns and happiness Mm -hmm. and joy and light and their cancer's gone. You know, stuff like where the Mm -hmm. the human mind can heal parts of the, like things that you would think are unhealable. And then that that begs the question that... Is cancer something that can be created? I mean, if 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 the human mind mm-hmm. can turn off diseases in the body or st- you know change mm-hmm. people's physical you know experience, then maybe so much of our diseases might be caused by just negative thought. Or yeah, I I think there is something to be said about that. Um, about just in general your mindset creating your health. I mean, um, and that's why there is just this like multi-billion dollar industry of bullshit that's being sold to people because once they believe it's going to help them, 
then it does help them. So it's kind of like this kind of vicious cycle that happens. But um, when they really had, had... the power to do that all along. Placebo things really do work. There was a, a weight loss thing I tried in the, in the early 90s. There were all these crazy things. And one of them mm-hmm. was this weight loss thing that I tried. And they gave you these special little, these, they're funny because they were, they were jelly beans, but they said jelly beans and they're like, whenever you get hungry, you just suck on one of these. <laughs> they were basically jelly beans. But so instead of eating, you like suck on a jelly bean and then you have, oh. then you have like, it was a timer thing and you eat certain amounts of food. But I just thought it was funny because it's like, it's such a placebo. It's so silly. And it was like $19, you know, for a bottle of oh. these things oh, that yeah. are supposed to be, and they're just jelly beans. I don't know they're if there's anything in them under, other than jelly beans, but that's what that's ostensibly, that's what they were. And I just thought that was so funny and I fell for it. But I mean, hey, if instead of snacking, and you suck on a jelly bean, that's not, that's, you know, hey, you're replacing it. If you could think about it, it's, it's sort of like a mind trick that, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I think a lot about food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just so funny. Cause as humans, there's a couple things we need to survive. And one of them is food. And we've sort of fetishized it at this point, but man, I, I, I'm really into food and I think about it a lot and, and I feel like maybe if everybody was fed, we wouldn't have to have some external idea of God because everybody would be like, I don't know, nourished. And I I definitely think there, there is something to be said there too. Um, you know, there is the idea that, um, religion fulfills a need that certain people have. And um, one of those needs is an answer to the question of why. Um, Why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening to my country? Or why this or why that? Um, And people have a hard time coping with things that they can't um, assign a why to. You know, we're looking for meaning our entire life. And and things that happen. I mean, like, look at any breakup that you've ever had in your life, and you look at all of the things that that person taught you, and you learned, <laughs> and all of these things, and that's why he was in my life, and I'm, I feel so much better now. Um, so, yeah, maybe if everybody was fed, and children weren't getting raped and murdered, and all of these other things, maybe we wouldn't really need religion. Right. Well, and, I mean... Do we need religion? Is there, without religion, will some people be evil? Like, is is religion keeping evil at bay for some people? In that, when when you're born, uh, mm-hmm. you're ostensibly good, or is it that you're born and you're bad, and the only thing that can keep you from being bad is somebody outside of yourself saying this is good and this is bad. And if you do bad things, this happens like the big dad Mm -hmm. in the sky. That's like, don't do this, do this. And without that big dad in the sky, would they be doing mass murders? Would there be like, you know, rapes all over the place, but that happens too. So. Right. And, and yeah, and that's the thing is like, I don't think so because I think that there are a lot more crimes against humanity that have happened in the name of religion. Right. Than, through people that claim they're atheists. Right. Well, the witch trial, I mean, I, I did some 
I research on, on witchcraft. I was the dramaturg for a play called Vin- Vinegar Tom, and it was all about witchcraft. And I read The Hammer of the Witches is this thing, this book that was written in like, you know, 1542 or something. It was like, this is how you find a witch. And it was like mm. torture stuff. And this is, uh, anyways. But in the name of religion, so many women were abused and mm-hmm. murdered by, mm-hmm. and in the name of religion, they said it was religion that they were witches, but a lot of times they were just women who owned land and maybe their husband died mm-hmm. and now they're a witch because they put a curse on their husband and that's why he died. And it's like, no, it was just a land grab from men to disenfranchise mm-hmm. and disempower women. And, um, and that's a bummer. And it was done in the name of religion. So it was like your right. crimes against God. And so now we're taking your land, but we, I mean, but I, maybe people weren't educated enough at the time to be like, wait, wait, this is just a land grab. Or if they were saying this is a land grab, then they'd say, well, you're a witch. You're a witch too. Right. Or, right. And so through the name of religion, it was more economic. So then it becomes like, is religion a hoax and a scam? And it's pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. And is that what's happening with the Republican Party when they're like, for Jesus and God, we stand and these heathens that want abortions and gay people. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that whole, the whole gay thing in our country and the whole, yeah. I don't know, women thing, but you know, just a, a lot of um, sex work. They say oh, prostitution's bad and they're sinful. Mm-hmm. I'm like, legalize sex work. It's real work. It, why right. devalue the work that women can do? You call it the oldest profession ever, right? right. Except, that, except that it's not legal and you can't actually, and it's degraded. It's it's degradation. Degrad. Anyways, you denigrate somebody for for having that as a job, and yet it's the right. oldest profession. All that stuff is like, in the name of religion right now, those are three huge issues that our country is like teetering on this crazy precipice. Like, people still, it blows my mind that people have a problem with like, what people are doing with their genitals. A, with yeah. their having, whether they're choosing to have a baby or not with their genitals, or what they're choosing to do with their genitals and what person and where and how that that right. is so political. Yeah. I, I um, th- that was the first thing as being a child that pointed me away from religion was understanding that these things, you know, being gay or, you know, like you said, choosing to do something with your genitals was an issue yeah. it, that if, if it doesn't affect you or it doesn't affect another person outside of this why do we care i just i don't understand when force and force a certain morality that not all people share upon others like i think it's actually evil to not have an abortion in some cases like 100 i mean if you're a 16 year old girl and you really wanted your boyfriend to like you. And he was like, condoms are stupid. And you really, really, really wanted him to like you. And now you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. But you were totally mm-hmm. on track to go to college. But you oh, you can't. And it's like, and, and you feel terrible. And, and Jesus is going to, you got to have, like, wow. Let people make yeah. choices. And, or, or you're a poor, disenfranchised woman. And somebody had sex with you and they're never coming back and you're never going to get any help at all. And maybe your parents are on drugs or maybe like there's so many situations where bringing a child into that situation is, 
I think, potentially evil. Like, mm-hmm. especially in the case of now, like, even if girls have been raped by a family member, like, what if there's an uncle and he right. rapes you and then you're forced to have a baby and you're bringing the baby to the... It's like, here, have another ba-. I mean, I just... I, no. The point is that they say abortion is evil and I say sometimes having a child, sometimes putting, sometimes being not ready to forced to live a lifestyle that you didn't want. I think that's evil. Yeah, it's 100% evil. And also you're bringing a child into a world that you're not going to be able to provide Mm -hmm. the best resources for. And, you know, the Republican Party isn't going to help you out either. They've yeah. been trying to get rid of social programs left and right. So basically they're saying, um, we're not going to give you access to affordable birth control. <laughs> but then if you get pregnant, you cannot have an abortion under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. But then once you have the child, we're also not going to assist you in bringing uh, up a a, a, a fully functioning, happy yes. child into right. this world. And, and what ends up happening with that is crime goes up because they can't afford to feed their children and we can't. I just, no, I, I mean, I just, hey, I'm completely. And, and that's, I think, perpetuating that cycle is evil. So, but they're on, there's this moralistic side that says. A baby, a, a baby has rights and they're real, but then once they're born, they have no rights. You know, they, they still have exactly. rights, but they have no access. So I was, I was walking down the street in San Francisco and a, a eight year old boy handed me a pamphlet with a dead baby on the front and his parents were behind. It was a, it was a large group of people. But what I wanted to say was an eight year old boy, you people are evil. He doesn't have a, why does he, why does an eight year old boy have any opinion Mm -hmm. on my uterus? How dare you? How dare Mm -hmm. you entitle a child or teach a child that they are doing good by going to downtown San Francisco and accosting me, a 44 year old woman of childbearing age with a pamphlet with a dead baby on it, trying to, I don't know, judge, Mm-hmm. my life choices and this is I mean, they don't know if I've they didn't know I've had abortions before right but that they would right. that this would even be a thing like I mean maybe a little girl but still even a little girl like what yeah even just a child to to use yeah like it's, it's propaganda like with it's like oh it was just so crazy and that men feel that they can speak old men feel that they can speak for young uteruses and you got to think but and they're but they're truly coming from this moralistic stance and and the same thing with like so women are people and they can make choices but the same thing gay people are fucking people and Mm -hmm. it it blows my mind that i mean i think it's evil to think of to devalue a person's humanity like I mean, I think it's evil that in Bangladesh we pay people a dollar to sew our jeans for, you know, whatever. Or that we don't treat them like people. Or homeless right now. I don't know. You guys don't have a very big homeless population in, in Portland. Do you? I uh, s- uh, I'm in Seattle. Oh, you're in so Seattle. A, I didn't see. A large oh, no, population. I did. Down in the yeah. Pioneer Square. Oh, my yeah. goodness. There are a lot. But we, like, sort of negate this whole... It's like, oh, you're homeless. You're not a person, but they're people. 
So, right. yeah, what? I um, I went to Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, um, which is a Catholic institution. It's um, a Jesuit institution, so they take a lot of um, social justice uh, very seriously. So we did a service learning class, and one of my prerequisites was to work at a, a homeless women's shelter wow. downtown. And at this point, I was all of 20 years old, so I had very set uh, perceptions about homeless people and and they just didn't work hard enough and all of these mm-hmm. things. And then I talked to some of the women. There was one woman that had a degree from Gonzaga University, and she graduated and she had a job, and she just, you know, found the courage to leave an abusive relationship and didn't have resources to back it up. And it just 100% changed my perspective about everybody, about homeless people and mm-hmm. and the fact that it can happen to anybody. And we should really just take that into consideration anytime we're speaking about them. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my issue, I think one of the there's one of the evil, one of the things that could be switched to make our world a little less evil, especially in San Francisco. Um, we don't, we only have 25 public toilets that are run by the hmm. city downtown. And, and then everyone complains about all these feces on the street. And it's like, right. Doesn't it seem like a pretty simple, like, I don't know, but then it comes down to human rights and like, what is, I think it's evil to deny people human rights and one of the human rights is to have a place to go potty like there are a couple right. of things that uh, being human right we have to eat we have to drink water and because we have to eat and drink water we have to eliminate those things so it's like our society is all about consume 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 is good consume this eat that drink this consume this but we give you nowhere to get rid of it you know like mm-hmm. we, <laughs> so it's but I think that having having food, having a place to go potty, which is like shelter and shelter mm-hmm. is a human right. And yeah, denying people human rights is ostensibly evil. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think this also goes back to healthcare as well. It's like oh. Why, why is healthcare considered a privilege? I, and even for somebody who has good health care it still can become expensive it's pretty it's pretty disgusting to me it's the same thing about that someone can become there's homelessness as of i mean if you have medical bills that you can't cover i could see people losing their homes losing you know mm-hmm. i mean it just take i it's crazy to me that we that there are people that can go into debt because of health care that's that's mm-hmm. crazy to me because when someone is sick, we should take care of them. Like that's the purpose. And sometimes people get sick and they lose their jobs. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like I just, it's all these problems are, it's like, how do we, how do we call ourselves like a moral nation? And, but then we say we have separation of church and state, but then church and morality is, is, is definitely like steeped in what's happening with our policy and that it even like how do we how do we get away from it when we're supposed to have this really open-minded free speech attitude it is yes it is very very ironic that we're supposed to be this moral country but 
only when it makes money for somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, religion is a lot. A lot of religion is money. I mean, hey, the best way to raise money is, you know, 501c3, start a church, get tax free donations, make people tithe, you know, 10, 20 percent of their paycheck for I mean. Has religion always been tied to money? I I mean, I'm thinking back because I in the Bible, even in um, in the New Testament, there's in Acts, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and it's about the, there's a passage about the new church when they're building the new church, and they say, everybody give all your money to the church, we're going to pile it all together, everybody give all of your land and all of your money to the church, and so everybody does, except for this one wife and husband, husband and wife, and uh, they say that they sell all their land, but one of the pieces they sold and they kept it for themselves. And so they call the husband into the church and they say, hey, did you sell this piece of land? And he says, no. And then God struck him down. Hmm. Right? This is in the Bible. And mm-hmm. and then they carry his body out. Hmm. And then they call the wife in. Same thing. They say, hey, um, did you sell this piece of land? And she lies and says no. And then again, God struck her down. I think that the church struck them down. And it's like, <laughs> and it was clearly over money so i mean look at all the money with stuff like jesus was sold to from judas to the to the romans for 30 pieces of silver and i mean there's there's like money and when jesus was little uh when he was 13 he was enraged at the temple and and threw all the money changing tables over um and said Mm -hmm. get this get this money out of the church get this out of the church and yet now the two seem so intertwined. Right, yeah. yeah. And and what happened to the one verse that's in the Bible that says, uh, and I can't remember exactly the verbiage, but that if you're wealthy, you have about as much chance of getting into heaven as you do passing through the eye of a needle, right? Right, right. A camel. It's You have more chance camel, of getting a yeah. camel through the eye of a needle than a rich man entering heaven. God, that's so ironic because... Yes. Look at, look at the Catholic Church and how much they own. Like you know, it's, it's, um, it's crazy that so much land ownership is, um, is is owned by that. I mean that even in, even in Italy, that in Rome, the Vatican is its own autonomous place of mm-hmm. ownership, which is that's crazy with Swiss guards. I, I mean. When when do when does the when is the blindfold lifted from the people? Is that ever going to happen? Has has religion just pervasively snuck into our heads? Is it is it that we're not educated and so we don't we're not educated to make a choice or? I don't I don't know if it's that. I think and I think it's actually um, taking a little bit of a turn with. Um, all of the information that we have at our fingertips and, um, you know, people like you that are having these podcasts and open discussions with people who maybe have a different perspective. Um, But I I think it does just go back to what we were talking about earlier with this need that religion fills for people, um, whatever it is. I know that a lot of um, religious entities will prey on on people who are a little bit weaker or the young or um, and I I don't 
like the word brainwashing, but I think that it, it can come down to that um, by saying you're going to fill this need that this person has, whether that's helping them through their drug addiction or um, helping them through jail time or, right. or what have you, you know? So what do you, what, what fills your void? Um, so... Badilly, Brie Badilly. Everybody look yeah. her up on Facebook and we'll talk about comedy <laughs> in a second. But what, what, what fills, because I, I agree, I think there's a human, I think that there's something inside of us that we all feel like needs to be filled with something. And Yeah, and I, I think a big thing for me, uh, it has always been a sense of belonging and a sense of community. Um, and I, I think that I get that from comedy and okay. being a part of the comedy community here in Seattle. Um, and other points in my life, it's been when I was going to college or um, sports that I played and those types of things. Right. I think that I've gotten my fulfillment in that way. And other otherwise, um, I think it's been just me being okay with being uncomfortable um, with not having the answers of why or what happens to us when we die. So you're not afraid. Are you afraid to die? Yes. I mean, I, I don't want to die. Right. Um, I, I do think about it a lot, especially since I have a feeling that, you know, it'll be nothingness. But I think it just kind of comes down to an an uncertainty, like being afraid of the unknown, as right. we like to say, um, is really what the the fear is there. Yeah, I know. It's, because I, it, I, but that's the thing is that once we're gone, like we're really gone. Will and I always want like, will people remember? Will they care? Does it matter? Does it matter that I'm here? Mm -hmm. Is there a like? all that because I look even though I, I've been alive been on this planet for 44 years and I look back in my 20s when I was doing I was a teacher for a while and I was helping kids and stuff and I think to myself when, when I was back then in my early 20s and I was teaching I thought to myself oh I'm doing good in the world this is going to make a difference forever because I'm touching the lives of children now mm -hmm. and I felt good I felt like I was being fulfilled because I felt like I was making I was trying to make the world a better place and that made me feel good. But that also there was a selfishness in it because I thought they'll remember me forever. I'll be that teacher they remember. I don't mm. think that they, I don't think, and it's, and I'm still alive and I don't think any of them, you know, really <laughs> remember me. But so it becomes like, even, even in my living, I'm like, was it, it was it as impactful as I was hoping for that, but there was a fulfillment that I got back then thinking, Oh, I'm impacting the lives of others. Mm -hmm. So whether in the future that, that, and so what I'm getting to with that is that I, I mean, I'm not planning on having any children. Are you? Uh, the short answer is, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I lean towards not, but, um, there's always, I'm, I'm 29. Okay. So I'm still fairly young. Um, and there's always a, a part of me that could change depending on who I end up spending the rest of my life with. But just with global warming and the political landscape and all of that yeah. noise, um, I'm thinking no. Well, I mean, it would be scary to 
to to do that to be like here i'm a i'm damning you to a life of un, of of uncertainty and scariness <laughs> uh, yes. but a lot of people will find that fulfillment through children you know like mm-hmm. maybe religion isn't a thing or they whatever they were trying to be fulfilled with wasn't fulfilling and then it becomes children will fulfill me and that i'll mm-hmm. live vicariously through their seeking of fulfillment mm-hmm. and then yeah oh yeah yeah that's something i'm gonna try to avoid well i obviously i'm definitely <laughs> i'm doing a good job avoiding having kids being that i'm so almost far. 45 i'm doing a pretty darn i'm doing a bang up job of that so that's that's good um what are uh what are other philosophies you'd like to share with us Ooh, i don't know i feel like i've been blabbering on about my philosophy no no i mean i'm i and i'm i'm down i'm just tell us yeah, more about yeah. your tell us more about your comedy what do you how's that how is it fulfilling for you are you getting a lot of yeah. stage time are you are, like are other comics laughing or are there actual audiences up there of people or what's all that about yeah so i'm still a pretty young comedian um in terms of how long i've been doing it i've only been in the community for about four months oh wow um but i do a lot of open mics and there are a lot of the same people at the open mic each week and um you start making friends with the people that are there and um there are audiences that come i do club comedy on wednesdays in capitol hill and that has a pretty healthy number of uh actual audience members as opposed to just comedians um and there's always good feedback whether it's negative or positive and um i feel like i'm constantly growing and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone brie you're so um eloquent actually um i can't believe you've only been doing the comedy for four four months what do you so you clearly you have a day job what do you what do you do yes Um, so I work in sales as my day job. Um, I work at a staffing agency. It's, um, well, maybe I shouldn't tell you exactly. No, you don't have to. It's okay. (laughs) Be vague. Be vague. Yeah. So, uh, but I work in the creative industry. So I work with a lot of, a lot of creatives and marketers and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm on the phone constantly. So wow. this is, this is not new for me. <laughs> this is, this is of course. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that being like your sort of driving consumerism, you know, with, do you, I mean, yeah. So, um, what I do is more so on, uh, on the staffing side of it. So right. I'm really helping oh, you're finding jobs for get- people. Yeah, I'm really helping people get jobs. That's great. As opposed to what I used to do, which was actually marketing. I used to work in television. Oh, so, uh, wow. You know, that wasn't that wasn't great. Did it feel um, Did it feel soulless? Did you feel like a soulless monster after a while, or okay, how did it affect you being a part yeah, of mean, that industry? I, I worked with a lot of small businesses um, as opposed to some of my counterparts. I worked with some very large businesses um so there was at least some moral compass there about helping mom and pops uh but still television is expensive it it was television advertising so like commercial sales and stuff like that 
um, and you were held accountable to a certain number Oof. to hit each month. So it didn't matter if I really thought that that customer could benefit from our products. I had to make them believe it. And right. if I didn't, then I was on the chopping block that month, and that was was very gross. It's not the way it is at my current sales job, for sure. Wow. So that that's a lot of that's a lot of external stress. How do you? Uh... I mean, because you've only been doing comedy for four months, which is a great stress reliever. But how did you sort of relieve that stress in the past? Because it's that's overwhelming. That's like every day could be my last or every month could be my last. That's almost like it's almost like dealing with the fear of death every month. Yeah, um, I didn't deal with it very well at all. Um, I I remember crying quite often at that job. And um, that was when I was living in Spokane about two years ago. So I... I ended up quitting and then moving over back to Seattle, and um, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because it it really was taking a toll on my health. And like we were just talking about earlier, how your mind just dictates everything right. about you. Um, it was I was sick a lot, yeah. um, and I don't ever get sick, so that was a big thing. Um, I was gaining weight. Uh, yeah, I wasn't doing it. Your body, your your mind was like, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy. And then your body was like, I'm unhappy too. Let's join yes. the unhappy train. Yes, exactly. Toot, toot out of Spokane. Yeah, Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. Have you always lived in Washington? I have, yeah. So wow. I grew up in the Seattle area. I actually grew up in a small town called Belfair. Um, and then moved to Spokane to go to Gonzaga. Um graduated met a guy so I stuck around there for a little while but um it's just it's a small city there's not a ton to do there's not a lot of opportunities so when we broke up I was like I am moving back to Seattle (laughs) bye-bye um where do you um is comedy something that you're just like you really enjoy it and you're just doing it for fun or do you see yourself like with a Netflix special someday do you see yourself leaving the world of sales and being a comedian full-time yeah I think that is the goal eventually uh, um it's going to take years yeah. to even entertain the idea of something to that magnitude um I think right now my current goal is to get to the point where I can get paid at all oh you haven't um, been paid yet well I mean four months in that makes sense yeah no yeah I'm definitely biding my time I've actually had a lot of good conversations with people about it so I I'm good being the new kid on the block but once I can get paid then I can start thinking about a career shift yeah um yeah. do you do Mondays at, at the underground I haven't yet but um I think this Monday will be the first time that I head over there. First time, first time, but first time yeah. and you'll get up. That's how it works. I also slide him a couple bucks. When I was I nice. was I was up there a couple months or last month actually around this time. And um I put it wasn't my first time, but I put out of town. I was like, I'm from San Francisco and and I slid him some bucks and I was like, Thanks so much and he's like, Yeah, you'll probably get in there. Uh, so, but also first time really helps. And, uh, they used to require that you, they used to have a bucket out there, but then they stopped doing that. So me giving him two bucks was like, you know, like back in the old days. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, Oh, look, what's going on. But, um, yeah, I got to, I got the opportunity to do that. Um, last month in May I was in Seattle and, um, uh, 
I stayed with Bernice and I, yeah, I got to do that Monday and then I got to do callbacks on Tuesday too. So I got to do 10 minutes. I was really, really, really excited up there. I was like, I, I really, really love Seattle. Global warming is only affecting you guys positively. Like it is just, (laughs) it's just gorgeous up there. I mean, when I was there too last month, it was like amazing. Um, and warm and everyone was wearing shorts. I was walking around. It was great. But, um, are you, yeah, we, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we um, we like to perpetuate the stereotype of it raining here all the time so people don't keep moving here. Yeah. But <laughs> it really is sunny a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I saw some beautiful sunsets. The, the air, it smells better up there. Like, it's like there's not as much pollution and it's just all the water. It's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful city. I, mm-hmm. I love it up there. Although it seems to be, it's pretty expensive. It's like San Francisco kind of getting to yeah. San Francisco expensive. They're not, they're not messing around. Yeah. It's not, it's not cheap to live here. Um, it's getting a little bit better. I've noticed, um, just with the way the market is turning with real estate and all those kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> here, uh, to completely change ideas. Do you believe in aliens? You know, um, I think that they exist, um, but uh, I don't think that we will ever encounter them. Maybe aliens are God. Yeah, I think that Earth is the least intelligent planet or universe or whatever that's out there. That Yeah, there's so much more advanced stuff and we're just... We're just dummies. Could we keep taking We're, dinosaurs out of the ground and being like, let's put them in the sky. <laughs> yeah, let's burn it all. Woo-hoo! And how just our exponential growth. That's the yeah. thing is I always think about like the, the earth has, has been around for a long time, ostensibly, mm-hmm. if you believe in science. I mean, if you right. believe the whole 4,000 years right. ago, there was like the beginning of the thing. I'm gonna, <laughs> but if the world's been around for that long and we're really just poisoning and changing our environment since the industrial revolution, we've just been like murdering it. Right. At the same time, we've been exponentially growing in population. And it's like, it's almost like it's hard for me to believe that there is a God because if there was, I don't think they'd let, it spiral out of control in this way. Like it seems like the Fibonacci sequence of humanity is just getting too big. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, if there is a God that's let things get out of control in this way and has let the things happen in the universe and the world that that they have, like, why would you want to meet that God? Right. Why would you want to be in a heaven with a God like that? Yeah, exactly. Forever with some yeah. torturing monster. It's like, right. It's a, um, so when you were at your Jesuit school, did you believe in the existence of a hell or is that something that you kind of knew was always, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I've had an interesting development um with religion you know my my parents they always said they were catholic but they never took me to church they never really talked about god um it was really more of the influence of the people around me my friends 
that would take me to like church camp and stuff like that. And I didn't go to Gonzaga because of its religious affiliation at all. It's a very good school. Um, it's a very beautiful school. It has a great basketball program. Um, but when I was there, there were a lot of people that did go there because it was a religious institution. And so I tried on a couple of different hats while I was there. I, I tried on Catholicism. I tried to be a Christian. I tried to be a Buddhist even because I was just under the impression that you had to have something like you had to believe in a religion but it always felt very um very forced very wrong um and never felt like me so i guess the that's the long answer the short answer is um kind of hmm. <laughs> kind of i believed in it uh because everybody told me that it was real it was true and then i started critically thinking a little bit more and meeting some different types of people and questioning what I thought about certain things and kind of came to the realization that I, I actually didn't believe in that stuff. Right. Yeah, the existence of a hell is hard for me to conceptualize that something that you have done has affronted the Lord or some being somewhere else something you might not even have known was bad but then you find out later it's funny that your last name is Badilly you have bad in your name but something that you didn't even maybe know was bad and then they say it is and now you're supposed to go for eternity to a pit of fire to be like in pain for all existence that will ever forever be like come on Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like I just, I, it seems, it seemed a little, a little far-fetched to me, but I, I did truly believe I was very scared of that as a child. The, the concept of hell really did, um, affect me and almost to like a PTSD sort of like fear, like a nightmarish fear of the concept of hell because of mm-hmm. the religion I was raised in. Yeah. They were, totally. yeah, they really hellfired and brimstone dust so that we were definitely scared it was I remember being in fifth grade and our teacher because I went to a Christian school she made us go around the room and tell everybody what the worst thing you could possibly imagine was and she said that's what hell will be like for you and we all had to go and it was I mean it was kind of a creative exercise I guess I was like I'd have to do a handstand in a kiddie pool of either like like a vomit and mustard and I'd be doing a handstand and I'd be constantly like afraid that I was going to fall but I'd have to like balance upside down and not fall into vomit mustard for eternity and like yeah went around the classroom and we all had to talk about like that and I just thought what a terrible exercise for fifth graders what what is wrong with you lady like what kind of school is this that they would encourage that just negative thought and just like scary forever i don't know yeah i mean um have you ever watched the show um the good place oh i love that show (gasps) yeah uh, that's what it reminds me of because there's all these (laughs) weird things that are people's personal hell you know right shrimp in the Yeah, right. Well, that's like yogurt. <laughs> it turned into like 
John Paul Sartre's Hell is Other People. It started, turned into that no exit sure. kind of thing where the, everybody yeah. is just there to torture each other and that's what you get for exactly. eternity. And I think that's, I, but then that philosophy, I like Jean Paul Sartre so much because he's saying hell is other people and it's not in the future. It's now. Like now. we're all torturing yeah. each other now. Exactly. So we're actually, that the, this reality that we're living is the hell and that something after it is the enlightenment because we don't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> won't it be great with the silence and the nothingness because we won't have to deal with people anymore? No more comedians being jerks to each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be Is it? It's funny. Every single scene I, I've been in recently, I mean, here in San Francisco, when I was up in Portland for a minute and then up in Seattle, each one sort of has its own scandal they're dealing with. Like there's, mm. there's constantly like, for some reason, comedians and like, scandal are I because I guess we just say and do dumb things <laughs> yeah exactly it's all about a joke getting a rise you know yeah and there's always it's it's just funny we're finding we're all trying to find fulfillment so yeah that's what I seem to have got and you're you're trying to you're trying to find your own fulfillment in this world and you, and you don't require anybody's moral external validation to do so yeah, yeah, I think so that is a fair way to summarize it. Um, I think that it's really important to live in the now. I mean, we plan. Planning is good, but um, you can't keep looking forward to tomorrow because technically there is no tomorrow. Right. Because by the time you get to tomorrow, it's today. It's now. And that's the only time it matters. Yeah, that's deep. I'm going to try to, like, let that be sort of a mantra for myself today that, like, yeah. be be in the now. And because so much worry comes from oh, being in the past. What did I do? Did I say something stupid? Ah, mm-hmm. And so much worry comes from thinking to the future of, like, was well, it going to be okay? Is it, mm-hmm. Am I going to? But if, if, I, if I focus on just... It's it's almost like one step at a time. Easy does it, but it's, right. uh, but if but that's about being being present, and right. um, and then and then it's even more like thinking about being present. So not when I'm on in public, not looking at my phone or not disengaging from the world, engaging in the world and being with the world mm-hmm. now instead of like hiding away behind a screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Brie Badilly, this has been so great. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Hey, anytime you come down to San Francisco, um, I'd love to have you on the showcase. We have a showcase every Friday. Sure. And uh, once a year we do, coming up this year will be the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, the fifth year. So I I encourage you to apply. It's not, it, yeah. applications don't come out until September. But you get to okay. spend a week in beautiful San Francisco and do a bunch awesome. of shows on the radio and do a bunch of crazy comedy. And, and good luck at the underground on Thank you. Monday. You're going to murder it. You're, it's so funny up there. Like every, like everyone's got a tight three, you know? And, and right. because you guys are like in the now and you want a tight three, it's great because people are really good about having entertaining sets here in San Francisco. We like, we ham and haw for 10 minutes. We got, we're just like up there being like, whatever. But sure. I admire Seattle because you guys keep it tight. You don't fuck around. It's like, yeah, 
jokes, jokes, jokes. Don't, you know, yeah. So keep it up and uh, and kill it on Monday. And is there, can you share everybody your social media? Do you want them to follow you or do anything? Yeah. Um, so I am just Brie Badilly on Facebook. And then on Instagram, I'm Brie B underscore 89. Awesome. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. And um, again, best of luck, everything you're doing up there. Keep keep being a good person without external morality. Yay! <laughs> I, I will. You, I will. Well, thank you. You be good, yeah. Brie Bad Dilly. All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun, everybody. Wasn't it? There we go. Uh, hey, thanks for joining us today on Some Call Me Tim. This will be up soon again. We're, You know how we roll here at Mutiny. We ain't got no uh, stream right now, so we're just talking. But this has been a lot of fun. And I'm so excited about all these phone calls that we're going to be doing uh, over the next two months. A lot, a lot of phone calls. People calling in from the Northwest. That was Bree Badilly out of... Seattle, Washington. And hey, the stream will be back up tomorrow. Thanks for being friends with us here at mutinyradio.fm. Go to our page, press that donate button, and give us five bucks. Come on, you can afford it. Help us out with that new computer we just purchased. Oh, thanks again for joining us on Some Call Me Tim. I'll be back next week. Bye bye.